That's why we wrap up the midday news hour for Friday, March first, two thousand twenty-four. Our next news hour is at seven p.m. tonight, but you can catch Radio Thailand's early news for updates throughout the day. Enjoy the rest of your day. I'm Gajang Wei. Tip. Bond scope comes your way in a moment. Don't go anywhere. Happy New Month. Welcome to Vance Cope. I have our program of news, views, comments, and analysis from Voice of Nigeria Abuja. You can listen to this broadcast on www.von.gov.ng. I unequivocally consider the youth a critical stakeholder in curbing the insecurities in our country, Nigeria. Do stay tuned for details of this and more stories in the course of the program Vance Cope. Now the headlines. President Bola Tinubu arrives Doha for Business Investment Forum. Zambia declares national emergency over drought. Over 100 killed while seeking aid in Gaza. Details of these and more will be coming up, including economic and spot news today in history and African proverbs in the course of the program. Do stay tuned. The program is Von Scope and I am Rebecca Yunusa Avia. <laughs> And as usual, we start the program with the world news as Angela Agbegi is here to give us details of the world news. Angela, it's over now to you. Thank you so much, Rebecca. It's great to be here on Fonscope. Nigeria's president, Bolak Medinubu, has arrived Doha on a two-day official visit to strengthen bilateral relations and enhance cooperation between Nigeria and Qatar on security, cultural exchange and economic development. The media aide to the president, Ajiri Ngelali, in a statement, said the visit was an invitation of His Highness Sheikh Tamim bin Hamad Al Thani, Emir of the State of Qatar. He said that during the visit, President Tinubu will, will witness the signing of several agreements focused on boosting Nigeria's real sector and creating value-additive investments across the fields of trade, education, culture, solid minerals, digital economy, agriculture and gas, as well as fostering cooperation on counter-terrorism. Ngilale said that President Tinubu will also participate in a business and investment forum that will bring together top-level executives in both the private and public sectors of Nigeria and Qatar to advance cross-sectoral opportunities for mutually beneficial growth and development. Nigeria's Minister of Foreign Affairs, Ambassador Yusuf Maitama Tugur, has called for synergy between Nigeria and Qatar to foster gas diplomacy, energy transition from non-renewable energy. Ambassador Tugur, who made the call while delivering a lecture at the Doha Diplomatic Institute, posited that Qatar and Nigeria are blessed with hydrocarbon deposits that place them at the center of the new energy equation. He explained that Nigeria requires a partner such as Qatar that shares a similar epistemology of gas as a resource for human utility to develop its gas assets further and expand market share for the benefit of both countries. 
Ambassador Tugger further said Qatar as a neutral investor and participant in such a project in such a project could catalyze a rapprochement and translate to a win-win situation for all parties involved. The Nigeria National Petroleum Company Limited and NPC Limited has called for collaboration among upstream operators, especially independent producers, to find solutions to the challenges hindering the effective development of, diver- of divested assets in the nation's oil and gas industry. The company's executive vice president upstream Orishemiwa Eyasan made the call at a panel session in the ongoing 2024 Nigeria International Energy Summit, holding in Nigeria's capital city, Abuja. She, however, acknowledged that there were some success stories in the operations of the independent producers. Eyasan pointed out that some of the challenges include insecurity, a lack of finance, and a lack of technological capacity, stressing that with collaboration among industry players, the challenges could be surmounted. The Nigerian army has denounced fraudulent financial demands making the rounds on some social media platforms with claims to have emanated from the army. The Director of Army Public Relations, Major General Onyema Nwachuku, in a statement, said some faceless, unscrupulous persons are soliciting funds for the vetting of selected trainees, undergoing training already at the depot, Nigerian Army, Zaria, Kaduna State, Northwest Nigeria. The Army described the claim as not only fraudulent but criminal, which must be nipped in the bud before it festers. The Nigerian Army said that training potential recruits and office cadets is fully funded and borne by the Nigerian Army. It therefore urged members of the public to be wary of the antics of these criminals to scam them, as efforts are already ongoing to track the source of these messages in order to bring them to justice. A look at one of our main stories now. Zambia has declared a national disaster to tackle the prolonged drought affecting the country. Addressing the nation, President Hakainde Inchilema said 84 districts out of a total of 116 were affected. The president said the drought would affect the generation of more than 450 megawatts of power. He added that almost half of the land used for planting crops have been affected by the dry spell. President Hichilema promised that his government would work to ensure that additional maize and other food items were brought into the country to make up for the deficit and create a longer-term solution to the problem. Gaza health authorities say Israeli forces have shot dead 112 Palestinians and 280 wounded as they awaited aid delivery. The health ministry accused Israel of a massacre. Israel, however, blamed the deaths on crowds that surrounded aid trucks, explaining that victims had been trampled upon or run over and that tanks fired warning shots but didn't strike the convoy. Meanwhile, the UN Security Council has scheduled a closed-door emergency meeting to discuss the incident. France said fire by Israeli soldiers against civilians trying to access food was unjustifiable and U.S. President Joe Biden expressed concern that the incident would complicate efforts by mediators to broker a temporary ceasefire in the war between Israel and Hamas. And with those stories, we've come to the end of the World News on Von Scope. Rebecca will join us in a moment. Well, thank you, Angela. And the program, Von Scope, continues. 
The Nigerian youth have been charged to actively contribute to intelligence gathering, community engagement, and integration of technology solutions and security measures to curb insecurity in the country. The Nigerian Chief of Defense Staff, General Christopher Musa, gave the charge in Abuja, the nation's capital, during the National Security Summit with a the theme, Carbon Insecurity in Nigeria, Achieving a Robust and Sustainable Economy for a New Nigerian Youth Inclusive in Nation Building. Represented by the Chief of Defense, Policy and Plans, Rear Admiral Abraham Adole, the Defense Chief, said that youths hold the potential in enhancing the effectiveness of the security through their efforts. Collaboration among stakeholders and active involvement of the youths are imperative to forge the necessary synergy in our collective pursuit to curb insecurity in Nigeria. The Armed Forces of Nigeria recognizing the need to secure the nation's territorial integrity has been unwavering in its efforts. However, the persistence of security challenges necessitates a realization that no single service or agency can regularly address the complex and dynamic nature of contemporary global threats. These challenges have evolved. They have become more diffused, unconventional, and asymmetric. Thus, a paradigm shift is imperative, moving from individual strategies and intelligence to a collective, multi-agency approach. Our approach must encompass sharing and collaboration on various frontiers, leveraging on the distinct competencies of different security agencies. The statutory role of these agencies often overlap and complement each other. This underscores the compelling need now more than ever to adopt a holistic and multi-agency approach. Such an approach will enable all stakeholders to bring about their core competencies and resources to bear in combating these insecurities comprehensively. The result will be sustainable peace and stability, thereby creating an enabling environment for socio-economic development to thrive. In this pursuit, I wish to emphasize the indispensable role of our youths. Your energy, idealism, and unique perspective make you a powerful force for social change. I unequivocally consider the youth a critical stakeholder in curbing the insecurities in our country, Nigeria. And that was Rear Admiral Abraham Adole, the Chief of Defense Policy and Plans, who represented General Christopher Musa, the Nigerian Chief of Defense Staff. Now the Convener 2024 National Security Summit and the Chairman Green Assembly Initiative, Comrade Duke Alamboye said that the involvement of youths will help in carbon insecurity in the country since youths are mostly used to perpetrate evils in the society. The summit is designed to alert security agencies, alert federal governments, state governments, local governments, authorities that they should start including youths in the fight against insecurity. Reasons being that these old activities are done or perpetrated by the youth constituents in the country. So you cannot solve these issues totally without interacting with us, without involving us in the issues of fighting insecurity. That's why we are bringing out ourselves out. Like I said in my statement, we will be gathering data of almost 775,000 youth in the country, give them to the ministry to use as volunteers to fight insecurity, intelligence-wise, physical combat and all of that. We all know that there's shortage in manpower in the service, so we need more hands on deck. If you observe even our police, the policemen we have, they are all in the hands of politicians. So we need to have this done and know the way forward in terms of fighting insecurity. That was Comrade Duke Alamboye, the Convener 2024 National Security Summit and the Chairman Green Assembly Initiative.
Meanwhile, the Nigerian army has neutralized 974 terrorists, arrested 621 of them, and rescued 466 kidnapped hostages in the month of February 2024 from various parts of the country. The Director of Defense Media Operations, Major General Edward Buba, made this known while briefing journalists on the monthly review of Joint Task Force operational activities for the month of February 2024 in Nigeria's capital city. Abuja. General Buba said that troops were able to achieve the feat through synchronized strikes between ground and air force and air force terrorist enclaves, killing a significant number of terrorists. Voice of Nigeria's defense correspondent Martha Obi was at the briefing and tells us more in this report. The Armed Forces of Nigeria is determined to end terrorism and insecurity across the country and therefore taking concrete steps in the direction as it is curating a safer environment for citizens translates to eliminating all threats, hindering the safety and security of citizens. The Director of Defense Media Operations, Major General Edward Buba, who made this known, said that in the month of February 2024, troops also recovered 1,500 173 assorted weapons, 23,345 assorted ammunition, and denied the oil theft of an estimated sum of over 8 billion naira. In weekly updates, General Buba noted that troops of Operation Safe Heaven neutralized three insurgents, arrested 27 violent extremists, and rescued one kidnap hostage in North Central Nigeria. Troops conducted offensive operations far and wide within the area of responsibility. They arrested violent extremists, gun runners in Jamal local government area of Kaduna State. They conducted fighting patrols significantly in Basa and Berkinladi local government areas of Plateau State. They equally conducted clearance and rescue operations. Still in the North Central, the director said that troops of Operation Wise Stroke raided a suspected violent extremist stroke terrorist leader hideout in Castena Ala local government area of Benin. States. Troops made contact with insurgents and during the operation, troops recovered one locally fabricated pistol, 22 rounds of 9mm ammunition, and one rifle butt, amongst others. Troops of Operation Harry Ndaji conducted several offensive operations during the month of February with remarkable successes. Troops killed several notable terrorist warlords, kingpins, during the month. We killed Hashiru and Kachambi. Both of these people were loyalists of Jimo Smolly. They were both neutralized in early February by troops in conjunction with vigilantes around Fauru in Maradu local government area of Zamfara State. Other operations were not left behind in the fight against the enemies of the country as all recorded successes. He urged citizens to endure today's pain for our tomorrow's gain, adding that Nigerians should take solace in knowing that it is all in a bid to make Nigeria great again. Meanwhile, a mini silence was observed for officers and others that lost their lives in defending their fatherland. From Defense Headquarters Abuja, this is Martha will be reporting for Voice of Nigeria. 
While still on security, at least 12 people have been arrested by the Benue State Police Command, North Central Nigeria, in connection with various crimes, including suspected killers of a seven youth corps member, Irene Chioma Emanuel, who was stabbed to death during a robbery incident along Makurudi Naka Road last month. Parading the suspects, Benue State Police Commissioner Emmanuel Additional urged youths in the state not to consider crime as an option to acquire quick wealth because of the difficult times being experienced in the country. He further advised criminals element in the state to surrender or relocate from the state. Following reports of robbery attack on Makodi Nakarut, the police trailed and arrested the gang members in Makodi. Suspects confessed to have been involved in four robbery operations along Nakarut and neighboring communities that led to loss of life and properties. Particularly, they confessed to have been part of the robbery and killing of a female youth corps member, one Irene Chioma Emmanuel, whom they killed while she was trying to protect her laptop from being stolen from her. A knife and three life ammunition were recovered from then. Meanwhile, investigation is still ongoing to arrest other members that are complicit in the commission of this crime. The Benue State Police Commissioner Emmanuel Addition attributed the success recorded by officers and men of the command to the various reforms and reorientation carried out among its ranks to enhance optimal performance and professionalism on the job pointing out that the recent arrest of a gun manufacturing syndicate and a host of others. Command has been able to carry out some reforms in the area of deployment and reorientation of officers on the need to be professional in carrying out their duties. Following information gathered about armed deals going on at Agu, Vandekia local government area, police detectives were deployed to gather intelligence and arrest suspects that are involved. On the 7th of this month, at about 18.30 hours, one precious Ebuka Shuku of Unicha Anambra State was arrested at the same village in Vandekia. On the spot search conducted on the suspect led to the recovery of three locally fabricated Beretta pistols. The suspect led the team to the hideout of his regular suppliers, the blacksmiths of Adipu, Kwane local government, who specialize in fabricating all these illicit weapons. The two manufacturers were also arrested. Meanwhile, investigation is ongoing to arrest other fleeing suspects who are still at large. That was Benue State Police Commissioner Emmanuel Adishina. And now moving on to health, following the report of a suspected and strange ailment in Gombe State, northeast Nigeria, the State Ministry of Health says the case is cerebrospinal meningitis in Nafada and Funakaye local government areas, and not even an outbreak. Consequent to that, the Commissioner of Health in the state, Dr. Habu Dahiru, said the ministry had activated an emergency operations centre comprising of the World Health Organization, WHO, UNICEF, and the Nigerian Area Center for Disease Control and CDC for the suspected cases. Voice of Nigeria's Northeast correspondent Rebecca Moazu reports that Dr. Dahiru told journalists in Gombe State that the ministry had received reports about cases with symptoms suggestive of CSM in Nafada local government area on the 18th of February and immediately swung into action. In the same terms presented, Lassa fever has been ruled out from all the 95 cases recorded, even though six people had so far died from the number, with five in Nafada and one in Funakai local government areas. 
according to the Gombe State Commissioner of Health, Dr. Habudahiru. Out of the cases recorded, 84 had been treated and discharged, while six others are still on admission and samples have been collected from 29 others, which resulted in two of the cases turning out to be positive for cerebrospinal meningitis from Funakai local government area. The Gombe State Commissioner of Health said 20 of the cases were negative, while seven other results were being awaited. He, however, said the ministry could not activate the incident management system now because the threshold had not been reached for the cerebral meningitis outbreak. Which is 10 confirmed cases in a population of 100,000 in that district per week. What we did from the onset of the program was to activate an emergency operations center comprising WHO, UNICEF, NCDC on suspected cerebrospinal meningitis and also to rule out Lassa fever. Dr. Dahiru said the state was now at the alert threshold in Nafat and Funakai local government areas while the emergency operations center had been mandated to control the spread of the detected cases of cerebrospinal meningitis in Funakai local government area. The Gombe State Commissioner of Health said the case in Nafada was referred to as a rumor because it did not follow the normal channel of reporting because of the report that hundreds of deaths were recorded yet upon the ministry's investigations by going around the area, no evidence of such number of cases were found. This is Rebecca Muazu reporting from Gumbi, Northeast Nigeria. Positive narratives about Nigeria, its policies, people and its economy must be portrayed to Africans and the world at large. These were the words of the Director General of Voice of Nigeria, Vaughn, Jibrin Baba Ndachi, when he paid a curtsy call on the Emir of Kano in northwest Nigeria, Alhaji Aminu Adu Bayeru. The Director General noted that such narratives must be told in a way Nigerians and the international community would understand. Correspondent Salihu Ali reports on the visit, as well as other activities of the Voice of Nigeria Director General. The Director General, Voice of Nigeria, Malam Jibrim Babandachi, while at the palace of Emir of Kano, Alhaji Aminu Adobayero, explained that Nigeria has suffered serious negative stories and all efforts must be made to change such narratives. He noted that there are positive stories to tell about Nigeria and efforts must be put to sustain the temple. Devon DG informed the Emir of several platforms available in the external broadcast medium to tell the stories about the country in eight languages, including French, Arabic and Kiswahili. The DG noted that Vaughan will be there available for the Emirate to propagate the traditional values of the Emirate and the entire councils in Kano. He said today, because of the changes in the world, Vaughan is on the social media and is ready to partner with anybody wishing to say good about Nigeria and its citizens. We are focused on telling truthful, believable, consistent narrative about Nigeria, and we intend to continue to do that. So I'm focused on helping in fighting fake news, misinformation, and disinformation about our country and its people. The Emir of Kano, Alhaji Aminu Adobayero, represented by the Wiling Kano, Bashir Mahe Bashir, explained that the news about Nigeria today are stories that are so frightening which always tried to create tension among the citizens. He said the efforts of the Director General of Voice of Nigeria in making sure that things are portrayed in an excellent way 
should be fully supported and commended. For once, we have an institution that will give the positive side things, which in the true journalistic sense is restoring the balance and bringing some level of objectivity in terms of reportage. This, we believe, will shed further light and will enlighten people outside as to the actual state of affairs in Nigeria and indeed in Africa as a whole. The Emir expressed the readiness of Kano Emirate Council to ensure that anybody who is in the vanguard of portraying the nation in good light is supported. Reporting from Kano, Salihu Ali, Voice of Nigeria. You're listening to Vance Copper Half Hour News Magazine from Voice of Nigeria. And for economic news, here is Jennifer Inna. The Organization of the Petroleum Exporting Countries, OPEC, says it is not against calls for a shift from fossil fuels, but believes that all forms of energy will be needed. The Secretary General of OPEC, Haithman al during a press briefing with journalists in Abuja, said there is need for fossil fuel considering projections by the OPEC World Oil Outlook that the world's population will continue to grow in size from 8 billion to 9.5 billion by 2024, which will require about 23% of energy consumption. And oil will continue to play an integral role as part of that energy mix. Gas as well, which will be increasing in its share. And we believe that, yes, coal consumption will decline and renewables will accelerate as the world keeps pushing rapidly towards achieving uh, lesser emissions and lower emissions where renewables will play a bigger part in the energy equation. However, renewables are starting from a very low base today and will rise at a very high pace. He urged the Nigerian National Petroleum Company Limited to tap into opportunities to increase oil production. The former governor of Anambra State, Mr. Peter Obi, says to witness an increase in production of food and oil, the Nigerian government should address the issue of insecurity appropriately. In a statement shared on X, formerly Twitter, Mr. Obi noted that the Monetary Policy Committee decision to increase monetary policy rates to 22.5% and cash reserve ratio of 45% is a counterproductive measure to, to easy Nigeria's current economic crisis. Mr. Obi, who was Labour Party's presidential candidate in the last elections, added that tightening liquidity in the financial system does not improve productivity. And finally, on economic news, the African Development Bank, AFDB, says Nigeria can diversify its energy mix and reduce greenhouse gas emission with strong political will, diligent policy implementation, and structural reforms. And that's how we round off economic news. I am Jennifer Ina. Now let's join Margaret Ibeshi for Sports Update. Hello and welcome to Sports News. Nigeria's women handball team began its campaign in the RHF Women's Trophy Intercontinental Phase, holding in Tashkent, Uzbekistan, with a 28-23 victory over Guadalupe. The Nigerian's women handball team started out with the determination that made them African champions in the IHF trophy as it took the first half effortlessly with 16-9 win over Guadalupe. The second half was a tough one and Nigeria had to really dig deep to ensure they win the match 28-23. Taiwo Babatunde was voted the most outstanding player of the match. Meanwhile, Nigeria will play their second match against North Caledonia. And now on cricket, Nigeria's women cricket team, the female Yellow Greens, picked up their second win of the ongoing Nigeria Cricket Federation Women's T20I Tournament with a five-wicket win over Rwanda at the Tafawa Balewa Cricket Oval, Lagos. 
Following their loss against Tanzania on Monday, Leke Oyede's ladies needed the win to level up with leaders Rwanda, who were already coasting with two wins in two games. With two wins each and three rounds of matches to go, Nigeria, Rwanda and Tanzania are in a neck-and-neck neck race for the title at this year's tournament. The president of the Federation of the Cameroon Football, Fekafoot, Samuel Eto, has announced the contract termination of the indomitable Lions of Cameroon coach Rego Betong. The former Liverpool defender has been under intense pressure following the poor outing of the team at the 2023 African Cup of Nations in Ivory Coast. Eto, while speaking on a television program, France 24, confirmed that Song's contract expired and it will not be renewed. Song, as a coach, oversaw 23 matches, recording 8 wins, 9 defeats and 6 draws. And finally on sports, the World Athletics Council has selected Beijing, China to host the 2027 World Athletics Championships. The decision was made at the 234th World Athletics Council meeting held in Glasgow, ahead of the World Athletics Indoor Championships to take place from the 1st to 3rd of March. The 2027 World Athletics Championships will welcome the sport's biggest stars back to Beijing, 12 years on from the Chinese capital's successful staging of athletics flagship events and almost two decades on from the Beijing Olympic Games. China will also host next year's World Athletics Indoor Championship in Nanjing. And that's it on Sports News. I am Margaret Ebeshi. It's now time to take a look at what happened on this day in history by Angela Agbeki. On this day in 1872, the first national park was established. The Yellowstone National Park, situated in the western United, in western United States and designated a UNESCO World Heritage Site in 1978, was established by the U.S. Congress. Also on this day in 1895, the Ethiopian army of Emperor Melinek II won a decisive victory against the Italian army at Adwa, Ethiopia. And finally on this day in 1961, U.S. President John F. Kennedy signed an executive order establishing the Peace Corps. That's a look at events that took place on this day, March 1. And before we take a recap of our major stories, let's take our African proverbs. It says, anger against the brother is felt on the flesh and not in the bone. It simply means you should forgive, always forgive and forget. And now, a recap of our major stories, again, by Angela. Nigeria's president, Bolak Mentenubu, has arrived Doha on a two-day official visit to strengthen bilateral relations and enhance cooperation between Nigeria and Qatar on security, cultural exchange and economic development. Zambia has declared a national disaster to tackle the prolonged drought affecting the country. President Hakainde Chilema said 84 districts out of a total of 116 were affected. Health authorities in Gaza say Israeli forces have shot dead 112 Palestinians and 280 have been wounded as they awaited aid delivery. Well, you can listen to Voice of Nigeria on www.von.gov.ng. You can also send your comments or observations to EnglishVon at yahoo.com or vonnigeria880 at gmail.com. The program was produced by... Martha Obi 
And on behalf of my co-presenter, Angela Beggy, I am Rebecca Yunusa-Avia. Thanking you so much for being part of the program. Do have a beautiful weekend. gas sector is synonymous with the maritime sector in the sense that the transportation of the oil is done through the waterways that exist in the country. Secondly, there are offshore drilling rigs that exist where oil is drilled and transported in the form of exports to the other nations of the world to grow the Nigerian economy. Welcome to Voice of Nigeria and the program is Lifeline. An exciting quarter-hour program that looks at various measures put in place by government, private sector operators and individuals to improve Nigeria's energy and power sector. On this edition, our focus is on synergizing the maritime and energy sectors for development. In the course of doing this, we will be looking at what governments and stakeholders are doing in the country. I am Zaliha Ibrahim. Stay tuned for details. Nations that are engaged in oil exploration, drilling and transportation the world over have largely depended on waterways to move crude oil or refined petroleum products to the desired destinations. This smooth movement of crude or refined petroleum and its derivatives is mostly facilitated through a synergy that exists between stakeholders in the maritime and oil and gas sectors. In Nigeria, the threat of sea piracy Oil bunkering activities and youth restiveness in the Niger Delta and coastal areas have over the years caused serious disruptions in the oil and gas sector. This in turn has led to a fall in the production of crude oil in Nigeria, leading to huge losses. This is why synergy is needed at this crucial point in time to help Nigeria to recover fully from this setback. A synergy must exist between those who are in charge of ensuring security on Nigeria's waterways. The Nigerian Maritime and Safety Agency, NIMASA. Bashir Jamal is the Director General of NIMASA. While we had our vision set on achieving something great, we simultaneously took cognizance of the damaging impact of piracy, kidnapping of CPRs, smuggling, illegal oil bunkering, robbery, sea and illegal and unregulated and unreported fishing has had on our maritime sector. Beyond the strides at overcoming the maritime crime at the goal of gain, the management of the maritime administration put more attention in ensuring that we maintain steady and straightforward outlook on building our own infrastructure so that we can have a very safe local transportation and all the leisure activities in our internal waters. 
as well as enhancing our own revenue generation. The main umbrella body that coordinates activities within the oil and gas space is the Nigerian National Petroleum Company Limited, NNPCL, and has also spoken about its commitment to work hard to ensure that oil and gas installations and waterways in which oil is transported are all secured. Mele Kiari is the Group Chief Executive Officer of the NNPCL. The best way to describe it is uh, almost mission getting to accomplishment because uh, the activities of our government security agencies combined with the efforts of our private security contractors uh, supported and facilitated by our partners and the NMPC itself uh, has led to very many discoveries that hitherto we probably would think that it is impossible for things like this to happen. And those discoveries meant that you know, there are infractions on our facilities, our pipelines to be particular, and then the activities of oil thieves has gotten to a level where of sophistication where you will say that they are almost like co-producers. And the actions that we took uh, alongside our partners is to contain this. And not clearly and only a security intervention. It is beyond security. It's, it's a, a complete a full-scale intervention, uh, getting the assets recovered, pulling out the illegal connections, getting back production, and also ultimately taking out the, the criminals and, and the bandits. So they all go simultaneously. The importance of having this collaboration between those in the maritime sector and the oil and gas sector can be beneficial to both. The need for security in the oil and gas sector to guard against piracy, oil theft and protection of oil installations and facilities comes to the fore. The Nigerian Maritime and Safety Agency, NIMASA, plays that role through provision of training for military and other security agencies on surveillance through the Deep Blue Project. These are major stakeholders of the oil and gas sector with regards to security. Research also plays a vital role in enhancing this synergy that exists between the maritime and oil and gas sectors. Bashir Jamo, the Director General of NIMASA, speaks again. The issue of uh, synergy, I think it's something that uh, we can develop a flowchart on how we can incorporate or can bring the industry players on board the Deep Blue uh, project. Uh, we are developing the National Maritime Security Strategy. I think in so doing, all that things is going to be taken care of. But before then, the personal interactions and, uh, you know, coordination between ourselves and uh, I think it will go a long way to, to do justice in terms of uh, linking up with the Deep Blue Project. The need for an agency that serves as a platform for securing Nigeria's waterways, which the Nigerian oil and gas sector exploits, is very important. This is so because proper monitoring of activities of our waterways through the Nimasa Deep Blue Project in the industry and provision of enabling framework helps to streamline the activities in the sector. This, in the long run, brings about growth, opportunities and more revenues to be earned by the government and stakeholders in the sector. Anthony Ogadi is the coordinator, Deep Blue Project. He speaks. This is the first time we're having an articulated, robust initiative 
that engages all the security services, uh, the Nigerian Army, the Nigerian Navy, the Nigerian Air Force, the, the Department of State Security, with NEMASA coordinating. Ensuring the safety of all personnel, equipment and products in the maritime sector is vital to the survival and smooth running of the sector. This means that the provision of tools and equipment to aid in safeguarding the maritime space hence becomes crucial to its survival. The Nigerian Navy, a stakeholder in this synergy, has recorded some successes by intercepting ships laden with illegally gotten crude oil. Commodore Madumo Ide is the commander of the Nigerian Navy ship Jubilee, Ikot Abasi. He tells us about their gallant efforts at combating illegality in the maritime sector. Uh, if you recall, just uh, on the 10th of January this year, the Chief of Naval Staff, Vice Admiral Ogala, flagged off Operation Delta Sanity. The objective was to deepen our resolve to ensure that we clear our maritime space of all these criminals. And we will make the space unbearable. We will make their efforts such a mountainous climb, they will have to give up. So my message is this, if you are involved in economic sabotage on our maritime space, find a way to be more productive to Nigeria, because you will not breathe until we get to you. And if all that money goes to the hands of criminals like this, the communities are left bare. And so it's something we need to do, the Navy has resolved more than ever to ensure that we stop these guys from reaping our common patrimony. This vessel assistance will be handed over to the EFCC for prosecution. That will send a strong message to you know, potential saboteurs. The provision of logistics and equipment are very crucial in the fight against any illegality. The commitment of agencies working in synergy to reduce or totally eliminate sea piracy, oil, bunkering and theft and other illegalities that occur within the maritime space is vital to achieving and sustaining development. Bashir Jamu speaks to us on what his agency has put in place to actualize these. At the ground floor, we have our own ammo tank 17. This will be taken care of by the Nigerian Army. We have three special mission aircraft. We have the Navy. And then we have uh, special mission vessels and special interceptor uh, boats. This one will be manned by Nigerian Navy. Now, when you come to the command and control of this asset, it's going to be shared responsibility between the Nigerian Navy and the Nigerian Maritime Administration and Safety Agency. So you can see tactically the issue of maritime security is being dovetailed to ensure that each and every person has his own responsibility. Where your own responsibility is tough, that's where another person's responsibility begins. There is no doubt that the keen interest shown by the major players in the maritime and oil and gas sector in Nigeria to synergize the activities is commendable. Harmonizing the activities will help to improve key areas such as oil output, ensure security of oil and gas installations as well as protect shipping vessels conveying crude. This will bring about the much-needed growth and revenues the Nigerian nation needs for its development. This is where we end this edition of the program Lifeline. 
where we focus on synergizing the maritime and energy sectors for development. For comments, suggestions and observations, you can write to the producer of Lifeline, Broadcasting House PMB 40003, Falomo Ikui, Lagos, Nigeria or PMB 5089, Wuse Post Office, Abuja, Nigeria. You can also send us an email at vaughnenglishproducers at gmail.com or visit our website at www.vaughn.gov.ng or connect with us on Facebook. Our page is Vaughn Newscast. You can also reach us on X, formerly known as Twitter. Our handle is at Voice of Nigeria. You can listen to Voice of Nigeria via the Voice of Nigeria news app, the Simple Radio, Radio Garden and the Tuning Radio apps, all available on your preferred app store. The program was produced by Victor Yako, Christopher Caleb Mant for Audio Console and I am Zaliha Ibrahim. A rhythm of love from Nigeria, the country that defines the future of Africa. Voice of Nigeria, your authoritative choice. Find the future of Africa. Voice of Nigeria, your authoritative choice. Nevertheless, there are also areas of similarities in most cultures, which explains why Nigeria is called the heart of Africa and has a common origin capable of understanding one another. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Bonds of Harmony, a program that promotes peace and harmonious coexistence amongst our diverse ethnic groups in Nigeria. In this edition, we intend to find out the factors that have enabled the Tarok people of Plateau State live peacefully with their host, the Bagi people in Abuja, Nigeria's federal capital territory. Stay tuned, I am Jude Kankara and I am your guide. Plateau State, a.k.a. the home of peace and tourism, is located in Nigeria's middle belt. The state is known after the mountainous terrain of the northern part of the state with captivating rock formations. Plateau is divided into chipdoms, each encompassing ethnic groups which share common affinities. Just the Plateau State capital is home to almost all the ethnic groups in the southern part of the state whose history is hitched on oral tradition. Phillips Peter is a Tarot historian. Tarot people are in Plateau, in the lower part of Plateau, just Plateau, Nigeria. From the capital, Jaws, we are about 180 kilometers from there, and we are known, we are generally farmers, regional farmers. With the coming of uh, missionaries around 1904, our people, most of them, 
by idol worshippers and then they became uh, their connection is with the missionaries they got get educated so now they are farmers civil servants soldiers generals in Nigeria and, and so forth Although the Taro people are known for mining local salt using homegrown technologies, agriculture is their major source of revenue. They produce food and cash crops such as seed, millet, groundnut, cotton, to mention just a few. Other economic activities of the Taro people include hunting, fishing, and blacksmithing. Phillips Peter, again. They're involved in farming and then hunting the red farmers. Food and cash crops, yams, uh, guinea corn, uh, maize. In terms of uh, livestock, we have herds of cattle, goats, all these livestock uh, things we have them. Taro is an autonomous community consisting of different subclans. Marriage is considered an attainment of social responsibility. As part of their culture, a delicacy is usually prepared to celebrate coronations, child naming, marriages, and other cultural festivals. Amora is a mouth-watery delicacy of the Taro people, which is usually prepared in form of porridge. Shentim John, a businesswoman in Lugbe, Nigeria's federal Lugbe in Nigeria's federal capital territory, tells us about the recipe of Amora. There is a special food that is normally cooked with a benesit, but it's not always that we cook it. We always cook it when there is an occasion. Sometimes we cook it with amora. That amora is a starchy food like this. We mix it together and cook it with benesit and ingredients. It's amora. In, in, the, in our language, we call it mwam, uh, but Hausa, they call it amora. That's a popular name that Hausa people call it. According to Wilma Dimgi, a trader who has been living with the Baggies for over 15 years, he says though the Taro people in the FCT may not have a lot in common, there is no doubt that they have found a common ground to coexist peacefully with themselves. She enumerates some of the things she likes about the Baggies. Actually, we stayed together as leaders in the church with them and I enjoyed my stay with them because we've been friends with some of them. I do come for their marriages. On Saturday, I went to attend a marriage in Kwali. They are Bagi people. I came specifically for that marriage. They've been friends for long. And I enjoyed the way I stayed with them because they accommodate people. I stayed with them. I learned so many things. The way they take this, their tour, and I, we don't have that thing in that place. So because of the relationship I had with them, I practiced how to take tour. And that one that they make, like Gary, I'm seeing it, I've no, I don't know too in Plato. It's my relationship with them that that happens. In fact, the first time I came to my friend's house, when I saw it, I threw it away. I thought it was a, a waste. So from that time, I noticed it's their locally made food. So I learned a lot from them. We've worked with them for a long time. I enjoy staying with them actually. Baggy people are the largest ethnic group in Abuja. Hence, they hold a very prominent place in the development and growth of the capital city. They are the indigenous people of Abuja who were the original settlers in the town before it was carved out to be a seat of power. Their easy-going nature has attracted other ethnic groups to coexist with them. And one of such ethnic groups is the Taro people of Plateau State. 
Frederick Chims is a native of Bagi. He tells us about his people. Bagi people were living in Zaria because it's Bagi people that formed Zaria and Kogi before they now moved to Abuja and up to today they own those places. We are large in Nigeria because we have about a six state that we are living. You see, first is Abuja, to Kogi, belong to Bagi, uh, Nasarawa, belong to Bagi, also Kaduna Zaria, belong to Bagi, Nanja state, belong to Bagi. So uh, that is why anywhere you go, you will find Bagi people because we are good and we don't have problem. We Bagi entirely, we don't have problem. We are kind of people that receive stranger and we, are, we mingle with them together. We share ideas together. In any place that we live, you will see a different tribe we like to live with all because we are very good and we don't have problem. Do you know that the baggies, especially the female folk, place goods on their shoulder no matter how heavy it seems to be? Funny as it might sound, but that's the truth. Do you know why? Because they believe their heads represent the king of the entire body, hence it shouldn't be disturbed. Hmm. They also believe the load feels lighter on their shoulder than on their heads. This is still in practice till date. Frederick has more to say. We have our reason of our women use their shoulder to carry load. It's because the reason is that uh, if you look at the Jesus Christ, when he was carried cross, he carried it at the shoulder. So that is the reason why you see our baggy women carry their load in their shoulder. As explained by Frederick, when it comes to dressing, the baggy people usually wear tie-and-dye clothing made from locally manufactured cotton, which is traditionally woven and dyed. This attire, he says, serves as a mode of identification for the baggies. We have a, a baggy J, that is a black color with a design of man and also a woman. Design of man carry whole as if he's going to the farm and also a woman on has a design of uh, a female that carry something calabash on the shoulder yes that is our dressing i will have a, a dressing as in bache that you you can't wear clothes you just wear that one jothan timga who has found a home living with the baggy natives attributes the peaceful and serene environs of the baggies as a factor that has emerged as a unique breed amongst Nigerians. Their culture shows how much they have come to terms with the universe as they aspire daily to give life a meaning, no matter the situation they find themselves. It was employment that brought me to Abuja. I've been working in other parts of the country and I retired here. And then uh, something unique about me, I like uh, living in the countryside. And about 15, 17 years ago, I happened to travel to this very area, Gidamangoro, Patna in particular. And uh, I discovered that the environment is nice, coupled with the school, this Loyola College, the Loyola Jesus College, uh, located here was not as populated as now. So I looked for a place and then because I don't like that after retiring I should live in the township. Don't like I'm somebody by nature, I'm somebody who is uh, rural in nature. I like rural environment. When I'm driving I admire nature, vegetation. 
plan nine. So this place was not uh, so congested as now. So it was like a rural area. So I decided to come and settle here. Tobias Govita, who resides in the FCT, is of the opinion that people should understand and try to appreciate others to promote a peaceful coexistence among different tribes. People should desire to study each other. Persons and groups of people who should ask to interact, we should study each other. Get to know what do you like, what I don't like. How do your manners, there are things that I will hate to hear or I hate to see. The same thing the other person. So we have to come midway because it's the spirit of giving. I don't like this, you don't like this. Okay, let's come midway. And life continues. And uh, we can also appreciate. This is the most important thing. If all Nigerians will appreciate my culture and I appreciate their culture, where I find myself, I think I will be better for it. The human race is extraordinarily diverse in so many ways as to areas in which we differ are endless, but at a basic level, we are all of the same human species. We experience highs and lows in life, but strive to be happy and fulfilled. Our common pains and joys are what brings us together, but nonetheless, our diversity makes us unique, enabling us to live in peace and harmony. Dear listener, this is where we round up this edition of Bonds of Harmony. In it, we feature the Taro people of Plateau State in the Middle Belt region of Nigeria, living amongst the Bagi people of Abuja, the Federal Capital Territory, Central Nigeria. Join us again same time next week for another exciting edition of the program. You can share your thoughts with us by contacting the producer, Bonds of Harmony. The email is VonEnglishProducers at gmail.com. You can listen to Voice of Nigeria on Simple Radio, Radio Guardian, and TuneIn, or the Voice of Nigeria app, all available on your preferred app store. Production was by Messi Odu, Hamza Ali, Hanu, the audio console, and I am Jude Kankara. Goodbye. Nothing should divide us. Nothing can divide us. And absolutely nothing will divide us. In our togetherness lies our strength. Our diverse nature beautifies us. Yes, we may not agree socially, politically, and culturally. Not even our ideological, religious, or ethnic differences should lead to bloodshed. Let us draw a leaf from the painful reality of our recent history and give dialogue and negotiation a chance. Let us support our gallant men and women of the armed forces, symbol of our national unity. One people we are, have been, and always will be. Nigeria is my country. Your country, our country. Let us keep our together in peace and unity.